Fatima Centers, Remedies for the Chastisements. This conference was given by Father Isaac Mary Raillier on the 27th of March, 2020. As a response to the coronavirus, the whole world is on lockdown. This unprecedented situation is a divine chastisement. Even our participation in the Holy Mass and sacraments is being restricted. Father addresses what we can do as faithful Catholics to help bring an end to this crisis. Good afternoon. This is Father Isaac Mary Rallier from the Fatima Center. Uh, let us begin with a prayer in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Remember, O most compassionate Virgin Mary, there never was a known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thy intercession was left unaided. Spy by this confidence, we fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, our mother. To thee do we come, before thee we stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise on our petitions, and in thy mercy hear and answer. My Lady of Fatima, pray for us. Saint Joseph, pray for us. Saint Jacinta and Saint Francesco, pray for us. Saint Francis of Assisi, pray for us. Saint Vincent Ferrara, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, Amen. A week ago, I spoke about the coronavirus and this chastisement that is upon us. And as we see things keep escalating, and we can see that there is a virus going around without a doubt. We could see, though, there's more than that involved. We could see that the liberals, as they say, never let a crisis go to waste. And so we could see many bad effects from this crisis that we're in right now with the coronavirus. And we could see that many things that the world has tried to accomplish and have failed up to this point, they've been successful because of this virus, virus that they're using this as a means to obtain their ends, their goals. So there is a one world government, a push for that. And we could see that throughout the whole world, all the governments are agreeing together. And that has never happened. And that is something to be fearful of that they're all agreeing on what must be done, on how they handle and how do they handle this? A quarantine everyone. The whole world is on shutdown. We see in China for over a year, they were having protests every week with the young people protesting the government and they couldn't stop it, but now it is stopped. We see in France, we had the movement of what they call the yellow jackets they were complaining about taxes and gas and things like that. They couldn't stop that, but guess what? It stopped now. The devil has been very success, successful using his cronies. And we could see even in the church how he's used so many of our church leaders to accomplish his will, to put an end to the holy sacrifice of the mass, especially publicly. It is a shame that our church leaders throughout the whole world, before they were even uh, forced to shut down the public masses by the, these communist governments, 
that our bishops here in the United States, they shut down the masses before they were even told they had to shut down the masses. And so we could see how Our Lady of Fatima warned us time and time again for over a hundred years now. She warned us that if the Pope does not consecrate Russia in union with all the bishops, Russia will spread her errors throughout the whole world. The whole world is on shutdown. The whole world is turning its one big communist regime now where we have lost our rights here in America and others throughout the whole world. And and this is really uh, scary, my friends. And everyone is afraid of the virus. Everyone's afraid of dying. Everyone's afraid of the government that they're going to lock us up if we don't obey their false commands. But no one's afraid of God. No one's afraid to displease God. And this is a, a, a shame. Uh, it's, it's, this is what's causing so much problems. And so I spoke about the real problem last week. That is our sins that have brought these punishments upon us. And so, once again, we have this communist regime taking over in America. Just the other day I heard the mayor in L.A., was basically threatening businesses that are non-essential, that they're not supposed to be open. And then if they continue to open, that they will send people there to shut them down, that they will cut off their utilities. And then they also, the mayor said, that he was encouraging the good people in the neighborhood to call these businesses up and insist that they shut down. And if they don't, that these people should turn them in to the authorities. If that doesn't sound like communism, what is? And this is what's going on. And who decides what's essential and what's not? The governments are deciding that. And guess what? Where I live is uh, basically martial law, even though they don't want to call it that. But we're not allowed out of our houses except for food uh, and medicine and medical reasons and so basically we've lost our rights and that we're we are forced to be in prison in our life we are losing our freedom and this is our lady warned us about this is what our lady warned us it's here that the communists have taken over the whole world and people are just going along we see that the essential services that they talked about uh, there is nothing listed as far as the spiritual life. There's nothing listed about you can go see your priest or your, your spiritual leaders. That they, if you're dying, that you can have a priest come to anoint you. As I told you uh, the other day in the question and answers, that if you're dying right now, you better, on the way to the hospital, if you're going, you better stop to see the priest first to anoint you. Because... They will not let any priest in a hospital now. And if you go to a hospital, they won't even let one of your loved ones in the hospital. So this is, it's a shame. And, and these things have been predicted by Our Lady. Our Lady came 400 years ago, Our Lady of Good Success. She told us, the time will come, you will not be able to receive the last rites, anointing of the sick. It's here. Essential services for them, are they still performing abortions, though, if they need it. 
And uh, people are calling me from all over the world. A lot of places, essential services um, means liquor stores can be open. Uh, the, the local store where you could get marijuana now, where it's legalized, those are essential. But our Lord warned us, do not worry about those who could harm thy body, but worry about those who could cast thy soul in the Gehenna. The evil one knows that if he isolates people, one of his greatest weapons is to isolate people. And the more isolated people become, the more they fall into fear, the more they despair. And this is what the devil loves when we, many people are questioning, well, where is God in all this? He has abandoned us. God has never abandoned us. We have abandoned God. And I spoke to you the last week ago and said, it's our sins that have brought this upon us. Throughout the world, in parts of the world, they say there's tons, miles and miles of locusts devouring the crops. These are plagues from the Old Testament, and now they're here again. God is trying to get our attention. And I went over the book, St. Alphonse wrote a track on chastisements and the love of God. And I started the first part of that book. Today, I want to pick up what St. Alphonse talks about in another section of that treatise. And it's called the Fifth Discourse. And it's, it says this, eternal devotions are useless if we do not cleanse our soul from sin. So sin is the, of the cause of all this. That because of our sins of abortion, contraception, killing babies, because of our sins of greed, because of our sins against the natural law that homosexuality and lesbianism is, is rampant throughout the whole world, and God has destroyed every civilization in the history of civilization that embraced this and practiced it openly. The sins of our church cry out to God. When we have the Vicar of Christ, Pope Francis, bringing the Pacamama false idols into St. Peter's, desecrated the temple of God with false idols. And when you worship false idols, it brings God's wrath upon us. And it's bringing God's wrath upon the whole world now. And we don't see our prelates leading their sheep. We see that our prelates have abandoned their sheep. We see, like it, if I remember correctly in Ezekiel, God chastises the shepherds. And he says, woe to you shepherds, who instead of gathering my sheep, scatter them. Woe to you shepherds, instead of feeding my sheep, you devour them. When our Lord uses the word woe in the scriptures, it means maybe burn in hell. Our, our priests have abandoned, the priests, the bishops have abandoned their flocks. Not all of them, thank God. But many of them are afraid to minister the sacraments to the people. I was just, uh, had celebrated mass for approximately 15 people on the Feast of the Annunciation. And these people have been cut off by their priests, but they never thought would cut them off. And these priests, they feed these priests with food, but the people, the priests don't want to feed them with the manna from heaven. People have to wake up without the sacraments. It's hard, it, you know, to persevere in these times. And that's why the devil's denying you people that. 
So St. Alphonse thought, now he told us as in the beginning that it is our sins that bring God's wrath down upon us, that we are not repentant. Like it's all the abortions, all the sins against the sixth and ninth commandment, all the sins uh, against the first commandment, and so on and so on. So now he's telling us that unless we repent of our sins and amend our lives, God's wrath will not it will not cease. Matter of fact, it increases, and that's why we see in this crisis that it's getting deeper and deeper, and the consequences are getting deeper and deeper because we're not repenting. We're not. The world is sinning more than ever. I just read uh, on the internet there was a a mayor in a town in Italy that he had a few people from the uh, from the town council come and four priests and the mayor got on his knees in front of the Blessed Sacrament and consecrated his town to the Immaculate, the Blessed Virgin Mary and the Feast of the Annunciation. And that was considered a crime. That's, that's where we're going. That's where we are today, my friends. So we need to amend our life. So I'm going to quote St. Alphonse. He says, he's going to talk about Jonah from the Old Testament. And I quote him, he says, God commands Jonah to go and preach to Nineveh. Jonah, instead of obeying God, flees by sea towards Tarsus. But behold, a great tempest threatens to sink the ship. And Jonah, knowing that the tempest was raised in punishment for his disobedience, said to the crew of the vessel, Take me up and cast me into the sea, and the sea shall be calm for you. For I know that my, for my sake, this great tempest is upon you. And they actually did cast him into the sea, and the tempest ceased on account of it. And the sea ceased from raging. Then if Jonah had not been drawn into the sea, the tempest would not have ceased. Consider well, my brethren, that we are to learn from this. It is that it is that if we do not cast sin out of our souls, the tempest, that is, the scourge of God, will not cease. The tempest is excited by our sins. The tempest, which is hurrying us to destruction, Our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. Behold, we have penitential exercises, novenas, exposition of the Blessed Sacrament. But to what purpose are those if we be not converted? If we do not rid our souls of sin, the subject of our discourse is external devotions are useless if we do not abandon our sins because otherwise we cannot please God. And so, St. Alphonse, of course, is 100% right. And he says, so even with all the devotions that we have, if we don't convert and stop sinning, God's wrath will continue to increase. But guess what? You don't even have those devotions now publicly. So we could see that these chastisements are increasing. 
that the people have turned their back on God. They don't want God. So now we, you know, God's pulling away. And he's leaving us to ourselves. This is, this is scary. St. Alphonse goes on and says, to say, it is said that the pain is not removed before the dawn has been plucked out. The pain is not removed until the dawn is plucked out. So if you have a dawn in your flesh, the pain, you, you gotta remove it for the pain to be relieved. In the book of Isaiah, Isaiah tells us that they provoked God to wrath, to his wrath, and afflicted the spirit of his holy one. Moses write that when God was about to send the deluge, he declared himself to be so much afflicted by the sins of men as to be obligated to exterminate them from the earth. And being touched inwardly with sorrow of heart, he said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth. Our times are much worse than the times of Moses I mean, uh, and Noah when God is, <clears throat> when God sent the deluge, the flood. And there was many wicked sins going on there. It sins against nature, sins against the sixth and the ninth, idolatry and everything else. Today we're a million times worse. A million times. Once again, I gave you statistics on abortion. Since 1970, over 1.6 billion babies have been slaughtered. Over 50,000 babies are slaughtered every day in this world. Abortions in their mother's womb. Those babies have no, had no voice. 50,000, that fills up a football stadium. So, St. John Christendom tells us that sin is the only cause of all our sufferings and chastisements. The only cause. Commenting upon these words in Genesis, which the Lord spoke after the flood, I will place my bow in the clouds. St. Ambrose remarks that God does not say, I will place my arrow, but my bow in the clouds. Given us thereby to understand that it is always the sinner who fixes the arrow in the bow of God by provoking him to chastisement. If we wish to be pleasing to God, we must remove the cause of his anger, which is sin. Which is sin. Our Lord first restores soul's health by giving sorrow for his sins. And then by saying to him, be of good heart, son, your sins are forgiven you. Excuse me, let me back up. Saint, the man sick of the palsy in the scripture, St. Alphonsus talks about now, brought Jesus Christ to restore the health of his body. But before granting his request, our Lord first restored his soul's health by giving him sorrow for his sins. And then by saying to him, be of good heart, son, your sins are forgiven. St. Thomas Aquinas says, that the Redeemer first removed the cause of his infirmity, namely his sins, then freed him from the infirmity itself. 
Sin is the root of every evil. And we find in St. Bernardine of Siena, hence the Lord, after having healed him, warned him again against sin in these words. Go your way and sin no more. Let something worse befall, befall you. This is what we need to do. We have to stop sinning. Otherwise, well, something worse befalls us. And that's what's happening in the whole world. In a word, the cause of all our chastisements is sin. And still more than sin, our obstinacy in it. St. Basil says, we have offended God and are not withstanding unwilling to do penance when God calls by the voice of his punishment. He desires that he should be heard. If he be not, he shall be compelled by ourselves to curse us. But if you will not hear the voice of the Lord your God, all these curses shall come upon you. Cursed shall be, shall you be in the city, cursed in the field. So this is what's happening to us. We are bringing this chastisement upon ourselves as individuals, as a country, as the world, and as the church. If then, my brethren, we do not appease God by our conversion, we never shall be free from chastisement. What folly, says St. Gregory, could be more extreme than to imagine that God should cease to chastise before we should have ceased to offend. Many now come to the church and hear the sermons, but go away without confess confession or change of life. If we do not remove the cause of the scourge, how can we expect to be delivered from the scourge itself? Such is the reflection of St. Jerome. We continue to irritate God and then wonder that God should continue to chastise us. Let us end it. Let us no more irritate God. That chastisement is near at hand. And this is so true. My friend, St. Alphonse, in his moral theology, talks about recidivist sinners. And those are sinners that commit mortal sins and they confess their sins, and they keep on, and they commit it again, and they confess their sins. And he tells us that after that happens approximately three times, most of the time, from that point on, the absolutions are not valid that one receives, even if they confess, because why? You must have amendment of life to receive a valid absolution. Otherwise, you're saying to God, Forgive me for what I'm, what I have done, but I'm going to continue to do it after I receive absolution. It's absurd. But this is what's been going on in the church. The priests haven't been trained right in the confessional for many, many years, since the council especially. And so, even uh, souls looking to, uh, for help can't even get the proper help today because they use the confessional as a revolving door. And we have to put an end to this. We have to put an end to our sins. St. Alphonse goes on, he says, Oh, surely God is not to be mocked. I never command you, he says, to perform those devotions and acts of penance. 
For I spoke not to your fathers concerning the matter of burnt offerings and sacrifice. But this thing I commanded them, saying, Hearken to my voice, and I will be your God. What I wish of you, says God, is that you hear my voice and change your life and make a good confession with real sorrow. For you must know yourself that your other confessions followed by so many relapses have been not have been worth nothing. I wish that you should do violence to yourself in breaking with that connection with that company. I wish that you should endeavor to restore that property to make good to your neighbor such a loss. Hearken to my voice, obey my command, and I will be your God. I will then be to you the God of mercy, such as you would have me to be. You must do penance, but penance deserving of God's pardon. That is, it must be true and resolute. Your anger must be changed into meekness by your forgiveness of those who offend you. Your intemperance must be become abstinence by observing the fast commanded, at least by the church, and by abstaining from the immoderate use of intoxicating drinks, which change man into a beast. Therefore, you must avoid the public house. Impurity must give way in you to chastity by not returning to that filthy vomit by restraining evil thoughts. By not using bad words, by fleeing from bad company and dangerous conversations, you must bring forth fruit worthy of penance, and bringing forth of such fruits implies that also that we attend to the service of God and endeavor to serve Him more than we offend Him. This is what we must do. And I'm repeating this and repeating it because we don't get it. We need to be repeated. And so many people are getting very uh, filled with fear and people are starting to despair. And they said, what do we do in these times? And so what do we do now, now that you don't have access to your priest? For years, how many people... You have opportunities to go to Mass daily, every Mass, to go to Mass every day, to receive the Eucharist. No, Very few people ever took advantage of it. And now, maybe we start to appreciate what we have lost, because now we could sense the loss of it. And so, how can we get through these, these times? And how can we stop committing these wicked sins? So many people now, even though they're they're locked up, they've lost their freedom in their houses, and they're uh, they're locked up. They can't go out. But how many of those people are getting drunk? How many of those people are watching pornography on TV and on the computers still? More now than ever because they're bored and they can't go out. God's wrath is going to continue to pour out upon us. But if we listen to Our Lady of Fatima and we practice the Fatima Peace Plan. If we just pick up that rosary every day, pray the whole rosary, Our Lady promises that the rosary will stop wars and famines. And it does. It has. And it will stop this famine. 
and this will plague his chastisement. The rosary converts souls. And so if you're living, and I imagine most people that are listening to this talk are living good lives. You know, so in other words, they tell me a lot, Father, you, you're preaching to the choir. But the choir needs to be preached to too, because we have to persevere. But if we follow Our Lady of Fatima, we realize too that we could be an instrument of salvation to others. When Our Lady opened up the earth in the third secret, in the third vision of Fatima, the little children ended up revealing when they could to us that they saw hell. That's why their faces were distorted. They looked like monsters. They were beautiful children. And you see the picture, you say, what, what happened to them? It's because they saw the vision of hell. And they saw that souls will fall into hell like snowflakes, like in the winter coming down, or leaves coming down from a tree, falling off a tree in the autumn. And, and that puts so much fear into their souls and compassion for others that the seers said that if God didn't give them a special grace, if the Blessed Virgin didn't give them that special grace, they would have died of fear. And remember after that apparition, little Jacinta, Sister Lucia, and Saint Francesco, they, they couldn't do enough penance because the angel cried out right before the penance, penance, penance. A lady keeps on repeating, pray the rosary, pray the rosary, pray the rosary. So we have to pray for our loved ones that are not converted, to be converted. Our Lady of Fatima tells us most souls go to hell because no one will pray or do penance for them. Are you willing to pray and do penance for your loved ones away from God? Are you willing to do penance now for the sins of the Roman Catholic Church, for our leaders, for the Pope, how he desecrated St. Peter's, worshiping false idols, for the heresies that have been coming out of Rome, that the Pope supports these heresies, that um, married couples that commit adultery, that even that can be pleasing to God, that they can receive the sacraments, the Eucharist. This is bringing God's wrath upon us. But this is what we have. So one of the main means for us right now is to pray the rosary and to pray with devotion, from real devotion. And try to pray not one decade, but pray one rosary. Pray the whole rosary, the joyful, the sorrowful, and the glorious. And Our Lady only gave us three mysteries. And if she thought there was need for four, she would have gave us four mysteries. But she only gave us three. Let us pray those rosaries every day for the conversion of the world. St. Louis the Moffat says, if you can't commit mortal sin and pray the rosary uh, simultaneously, you will give up one or the other. So if you're in bondage, keep praying that rosary. Our Lady will break that bondage. If you're struggling with impurity, pray the rosary and pray for the, the, the intention. Please, Blessed Mother, break the chains that are on, that are holding me in bondage, impurity, drunkenness, whatever it is, she'll break those chains. But we can't do it on our own. And don't give up. And now that we're, you, you are in prison in your house, and many people are alone, but they're not alone. 
Our guardian angel never leaves us. Our lady is with us. Christ is with us. I encourage you. Greater is he who's in me, who's in the world. Who, if you're in sanctifying grace, God, the Holy Trinity, dwells within you. It's real. Reflect upon that. The whole world, nothing can contain God, but he is in your soul. If God is for me, who could be against us, against me? We don't have to fear this. We don't have to fear this virus. And that's why we need our shepherds to be converted, to open up our churches. That our shepherds, should, the state cannot tell the church what to do. The state does not have authority over the church. And that our bishops, if they are converted, if we pray for them, they will be converted. That they will become the true shepherds of Christ. And they will beat the wolf off. They will lead us in processions in the street and bring Jesus in the blessed sacrament to, to everyone in the world, into our neighborhood. And this plague will stop. This chastisement will stop. That they will open up our churches. Let them come and arrest us. But we need the Eucharist more than anything. Christ will put an end to this when we believe in him and we act and walk by faith. But we need to pray. We need, my friends, to start practicing mental prayer. And I am shocked. Most people don't even know what mental prayer is. And I talk about this all the time in my, when I give conferences. And very few people do it. But mental prayer is a very simple. It's a conversation with God. And when we have a conversation with someone, what do we do? We speak and we listen. Nobody likes someone in a conversation that doesn't shut up and just keeps on talking and never lets the other person talk. Well, when we have a conversation with God, that's what we do. We have to speak to God. But then we have to be silent and listen to him in the depths of our heart. That's what mental prayer is. But we have to have that desire. If you don't have the desire to do mental prayer, which means... You don't have the desire to know God. How do you know a person, another human being? You get to know someone by spending time with them. You get to know someone by talking to them, speaking to them. You get to know someone by letting them reveal to you who they are. That they reveal to you what's in their heart. And you share like that. And so, do you want to know who God is? Do you want a relationship with God? Because that's the most important thing. That's why we're put here on earth. To know God and to love Him. How can you know and love God if you don't spend time with Him? How can you know and love God if you don't talk to Him? How many priests have left the priesthood and religious life? How many nuns and brothers have left the religious life? You know why? Because they don't speak to their spouse. If you marry people, come home every day, and you don't speak to your husband or your wife, how long is that marriage going to last? How long? So we need to enter into mental prayer. And you got plenty of time on your hands now. And so St. Teresa of Avila, the adopted church, tells us if we do mental prayer every day, 
for a half hour, a half hour, your whole spiritual life will be transformed. And you will be lifted up to another level spiritually. And that's not to make us prideful, but it's to encourage us. That's why the great saints, St. Teresa of Avila, St. John of the Cross, they're the doctors of spirituality. They tell us we should read about the whole spiritual life from A to Z. That's the purgative, the lumative, and the unitive stages so that we know what these things are, so that we can desire them. And that we could grow and love and, and reach union with God on earth. God wants us to experience heaven on earth. We don't have to wait for heaven to experience heaven. And one of the main ways this takes place is through mental prayer. Mental prayer is so, so important because the more we pray, the more we are disposed to receive God's graces. The more we do mental prayer, the more disposed we are to receive the sacraments. And the more disposed we are to receive the sacraments, the more grace we will get when we receive the sacraments. The more you do mental prayer, the more you will be, the more a deeper desire you will have to know Jesus and to love him. The more you do mental prayer, you'll want to spend more and more time in prayer, more and more time with God. You got time now, my friends. And so, when we do mental prayer, we make the sign of the cross, the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. We call upon Our Lady, the Mediatrix of all graces, because she has all the graces we need to become saints and to save our souls. And every grace we receive comes through the Blessed Virgin. And we, we beg God to come and teach us how to pray. Because nobody prayed like Our Lady. We just celebrated that beautiful feast of the Annunciation. And when our, when our, the Archangel, Angel Gabriel appeared to Our Lady, she was on our knees, she was doing mental prayer. She was lifting up our heart and our mind to God. And that's one of the definitions of prayer, to lifting up your mind and your heart to God. It's not just the lifting up of your mind or heart alone. It's not just emotions. The heart and the mind. So you call on a lady and tell, to help give you the graces to do this mental prayer and to be faithful to it every day of your life. And that we will persevere in this prayer. That we pray to her that all our distractions will leave us. That we put everything out of our mind, our, even our loved ones, everyone, everything out of our mind. We're there to pray with God. And that's why we want to make an appointment every day to do our mental prayer. It's like in your daily planner. When you go to work, at 12 o'clock I have lunch, and at 1 o'clock I have a meeting with so-and-so. Well, we should put in our books every day. The number one agenda is to meet with God in the depths of our heart. Our Lord says, go into your room alone and pray. Our Lord teaches us that we should be doing mental prayer because he's constantly in the gospel going up the mountain seeking solitude so he can pray. He's teaching us this is what we must do. And so once you pray to Our Lady for that, and you pray uh, to remove all distractions, you call on your guardian angel and your patron saint, and then you just let your soul calm down and settle down. And then the next thing is to see if you have any affections towards God. 
And that's the whole point in mental prayer, to get where you have affections. It's like you can make, the minute you make the sign of the cross, you may be filled with sorrows all of a sudden for your sins. This is a good thing. Talk to God about that. Saying you real, all of a sudden you may be blessed with graces where you, you realize the sin, the life of you, you've been living has been horrible. And you realize all of a sudden how serious those sins are. That's a grace from God. And then beg His mercy. Beg His forgiveness. Beg Him the grace to turn you around. The efficacious grace to repent. Maybe you go to prayer, you could be filled with joy one day. And you realize all of a sudden God reveals to you. And in your mind you see all the graces that God has given you. That you were born in the, in the Catholic Church. That you have the Eucharist, that you have the sacraments. That you maybe had a Holy Mother that taught you how to pray and live a good life. All the graces that we take for granted, we don't reflect. This is what you do in mental prayer. Maybe it's you you thank him for these things. Lack of gratitude is a horrible thing. But when we go into mental prayer, this is what happens. God will start showing us these things. St. Bernard says mental prayer is like a mirror. And what happens when you look in a mirror? When you look in a mirror, you're seeing the, your image, a reflection of your image, what you look like. Well, when you go to mental prayer, God's revealing to you who you are. Because number one, we're created in the image and likeness of God. People don't know who they are because they don't know who God is. And by doing mental prayer, you're going to learn who God is. And God will start showing us in that mirror, by, okay, our defects too. And this is, and I'm warning here, is where some people give up mental prayer. Because in the beginning, you're going to go through a honeymoon stage, and God's going to fill you with all these blessings. He's going to pour. You feel consolation. You can almost feel the grace pouring into you. And he does that because he gives, like giving candy to a baby, because the baby will come back for more candy. You give a little baby ice cream, he wants more. So in the beginning, God treats us like babies, because we are in the spiritual life, and he draws us. He wants us to be drawn to him. And then, as St. Paul said, the time comes where he wanes us, and then he wants to give us, because he wants to give us real food and eat. And so the weaning is he starts showing us these sins. But don't get discouraged, because when God starts pointing these out to us, it's because he wants, he's enlightening us, because ignorance is not bliss, because he wants us to amend our life. And as I said, as St. Alphonse told us, that the problem, the chastisements, come from our sins. And that instead of ceasing, uh, uh, committing these wicked sins, we're increasing them, and it continues to bring God's wrath. So this mental prayer is going to transform you. And then, say you have a problem when you go into mental prayer, you make the sign of the cross, and no thoughts are coming to you. No affections from your heart are coming. Then what you must do uh, is... Take a book, the Gospels say, read about the Passion, read how our Lord was scourged, read how our Lord was abandoned by who? By his own apostles, his apostles. And this will help you. And then, and then you put it down and you show, so here's a reflection that, that I have 
uh, sometimes, you know, you see how Christ, you, you, he was abandoned by you. By who? He was first of all betrayed by Judas, who was one of the first, uh, one of the twelve apostles, who was one of the first bishops in the church, betrayed for thirty-three pieces of silver. Who went to in the garden of Sen uh, Garden of Gethsemane? They he he prayed them. Will you not pray one hour with me? No, they all went fell asleep. When he went to the cross, the there was eleven apostles left. They all abandoned him except for who? Saint John. So. Who abandoned Christ? Bishops, the first bishops. One betrayed him, ten abandoned him, and only one stood at the cross. So when we meditate like this, we see these meditations can start helping us. And you say, well, Christ was abandoned, and now we're abandoned. That Christ was betrayed by the bishops of the church. We are being betrayed by the bishop of the church because the church is the mystical body of Christ. And what the head has gone through, the body must go through. And so the church is going through the three phases of the life of Christ. The, the hidden life, the active life, and then there's passion. We are in the passion right now. And the church now is going through this horrible passion. Let us unite with Christ on the cross. And this is what comes from mental prayer. And then we realize that in actuality, we may be abandoned by leaders of the church, but God will never abandon us. And he will shepherd his own sheep. And he does. And will bring you consolation. God will never abandon us. God is with us. And you have to get in touch with God in the depths of your soul. And then you will not fear death. You will not fear these tyrants. You will not fear these communists. And this is what mental prayer is going to help strengthen you to get you through this trial. They may deny you the Eucharist, but they cannot deny you to have communion with God in your soul. They can put you in a prison. They can put you in Auschwitz. And they're coming. We got FEMA camps throughout the whole country here. And they're waiting for people like you and myself. And don't worry. They're going to put us there. But you know what? They can imprison us, but they can't imprison our soul. And everybody thought Christ was a disappointment. The road to Emmaus. And Christ hid his divinity after the resurrection. And they're walking down the road to Emmaus. And he comes upon some of the disciples that believed they said, and, and, and they said to him, did you, do you not know what happened? The one who we thought was the Messiah, he, he was a failure, basically. He died on the cross. They yelled at him, you know, if you're the son of God, come down from the cross. And he didn't come down. But our Lord destroyed Satan. And it was through his death that he conquered Satan. And we too. So everybody thought our Lord ministry was a failure, but it wasn't. Because we look for success. We have to be faithful, my friends, not successful. We leave that to God. So by your mental prayer, you can become a great saint. And by your mental prayer, God will strengthen you and God will show you what he wants from you. And he will, he will lead you and he will console you. And he'll lead you to the cross. 
But that's where we have to go, my friends. And if you're on the cross, you can only stay up there if you love God. If you don't have love for God in your heart, you're not going to be willing to suffer for him and for others. And the way you receive this love is through the sacraments and they're being denied you right now. But now and then, prayer, prayer is everything after that. So these, I could, I want to go on and on, and I will continue these talks to give you more ways. How do we get through this? So I encourage you to do mental prayer. Go online. They have great books, PDFs. St. Alphonse wrote a book, The Great Means of Salvation and Perfection. It's a treatise, part of it, on prayer. He'll teach you how to pray. St. Uh, Peter of Alcantara has a prayer on uh, on mental prayer, a treatise on mental prayer. It's online for free. You can read this thing. So you want to read about this mental prayer. So you sit there, you have a conversation with God in the beginning. You get rid of your distractions. You talk to God from your heart, then you listen, and then you end up with petitions. And this is where we pray for our loved ones. This is where we pray for the Pope's conversion and the conversion of the clergy and anyone who's away from God. And we do penance prayer. This is what we have to do. And if you do mental prayer half hour every day, eventually it will lead you to what we call the prayer of the quiet. Quiet. It's a prayer of a quiet contemplation where the more you pray, the more simple your prayer gets. And then there's no words needed, even in your mind. You sit there and you're in union with God. And that can become a perpetual state, which is beautiful. And the saints tell us we could all acquire that if we persevere in prayer and penance. But you have to do both. You need prayer and penance. You have to mortify yourself. You have to deny yourself. And this is too. So this is what you have to do with the mental prayer. And a rosary can be a form of mental prayer too. With these mysteries that we pray are the life of Christ, helping us to get through these crises. Our Lord had to flee his country when he was a baby. They wanted to kill him. They want to kill us. We're going to have to flee too. Our lady had to flee, the queen of heaven and earth. She could have struck... By one command, she could have all the angels come down and wipe out all the enemies of Christ. But God didn't want that. He wanted Our Lady to embrace the cross. We have to embrace the cross. In the Annunciation, when the angel came, Our Lady tested the spirit. How can this be? I don't know, man. And the angel gave the right answer. The Holy Spirit shall overshadow you, and you shall conceive and bear a child. And Our Lady knew the scriptures inside out. She understood that that was the type from the the Ark of the Covenant couldn't move unless the Holy Spirit overshadowed it. And she knew then that she was to be the mother of God. And she gave her fiat. When Our Lady gave her fiat, it was a complete yes. Complete yes in conformity to the will of God. And that means everything that God wills in his permissive will too. We must imitate Our Lady and say yes. Our Lady knew the Old Testament inside out. She knew all the hundreds of prophecies of who her son Christ would be. She knew Isaiah inside out, the suffering servant, that by his stripes we shall be healed. 
that her son, if she was to say yes, would come into the world to die, not to live. She had the gift of infused knowledge, too. She still said yes, even knowing how much she would suffer. We, my friends, must say yes to God. We must be willing to be an instrument of salvation for others, too. And that's why those little beautiful children, Jacinta, Francesca, when she, they never stopped doing penance. They, in the hot weather, they wouldn't drink no water during the day. They were dehydrating. They gave away their food every morning. They wouldn't eat. They would fast. Jacinta loved to dance. Not like they danced today. It was folk dancing, which was all right. But she gave that up. She loved that. Because all she could think is she didn't want no one to go to hell. We shouldn't want no one to go to hell, even our worst enemy. We want them converted. We want to bring souls to heaven. So let's embrace these means of prayers that I'll go over today, and I will go over more. But pray the rosary. Start doing your mental prayer and begging God for the conversion of your brother, your sister, your mother. It will happen. My mother had to pray 17 years for me to convert. To come back to God. I abandoned God. And I'm not proud of that. I pay for that till this day. And I do penance for it. But you know what? If my mother, she prayed rosary, rosary, rosary. I never, my mother always had a rosary in her hand. And I used to thought, I, at one point I said, I thought maybe she was getting crazy. But thank God, it was through that rosary that, you know, I woke up and I was converted. Now I just have to persevere, just like you. But I tell you that to encourage you. The rosary will convert souls, will convert you. Your rosary will end heresies. The rosary will end chastisements. I, uh, so now <clears throat> I'd like to, before I give a final blessing, I, I want you to know that the government has shut down the Fatima Center, that we're not allowed to open up our business doors because they consider it a business. And of course they don't consider it an essential business. And it's not in a business, it's apostolate. And it's the most, it's one of the more essential things than anything. More than water and food. So we need your help, my friends, to keep the Fatima Center functioning. And that's why we're doing this video today too, because we still want to reach the people to encourage you, to help you get to heaven and convert the world, that we need to get the message out. And we're doing things. We, we're the ones pushing for the consecration of Russia. Many people believe it was done. It hasn't been done. Because if it was done since 1984, especially they said Pope John Paul consecrated, he didn't consecrate Russia, he consecrated the world. That Our Lady promises when it's done, Russia will be converted, be a reign of peace in the world throughout. There's been a, approximately 184 wars throughout the world since 1984. So please help us. But unfortunately, we need, we need donations to help promote this message more and more. And Our Lady's Fatima's message is the most important message that you can hear right now and spread right now. So we're still operating as much as we can, like a virtual office, and we're still getting the word out. Please help us. Please send your donations to us so that we can get the word out, so that we 
can help convert souls and get, hopefully, get more people to pray. So the more people that pray and live the Fatima message, then the Pope will consecrate Russia. Russia will be converted and there will be a reign of peace. Please bow your head for God's blessing. Pax et benedictio Deo omnipotente, Patria, Filii, Spiritus Sancti, Descendus Superbos, Mene et Semper. Amen. This presentation has been brought to you by the Fatima Center. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved. Our prayer is that this presentation may enlighten your faith, strengthen your hope, and inflame your charity. For more resources regarding the message of Our Lady of Fatima and the Catholic faith, we invite you to visit our website, www.fatima.org. Our Lady of Fatima, ora pro nobis.